Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Zach Chua, founder and CEO of Singapore-based popcorn firm, The Kettle Gourmet. The Kettle Gourmet specializes in offering interesting popcorn varieties from the familiar chocolate and, and caramel to localized variants like nasi lemak and chicken floss. So hello, Zach. Welcome, first of all, and thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Really great to have you here. And what I usually do is I like to start by talking a little bit more about the background behind what you do. So please do tell us what has inspired you to get into popcorn, you know, and sort of glamorize this as a snack item. So uh, what? how did I start? It's really, I would say, it's an accidental startup that took off because I was uh, still in school, uh, in final year of uh, SMU uh, in Singapore. So what happens is uh, I like to do a lot of events. So, uh, you know, I just thought of the idea one day randomly, like, you know, since I'm doing so much events, why not just do something to, to complement the events space? And then uh, we went to, to our first event and it, it really, uh, the the responses were actually amazingly great. Like the, the orders started coming in, people started asking about it. The story behind the, the local flavor was actually, uh, uh, I was in the cinema. You know, nowadays, uh, a lot of people have to smuggle a lot of food inside the cinema, right? <laughs> so uh, one of the most extreme cases I, I saw was uh, this lady actually smuggled in nasi lemak inside. <laughs> so <laughs> as I was munching on, on the, the popcorn, I don't know, the, the aroma and, and the, the Basically, the smell was just overpowering the popcorn that I was I was eating la. and then uh, I that, that gave me the the inspiration because like eh why 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 don't I do like nasi lemak popcorn? So my other question, of course, is like on this uh, local flavors and like the nasi lemak, the, the chili crab, the chicken floss that you mentioned. So I know you don't actually do things like you know putting actual bits of rice or ikan bilis or sambal chili onto the popcorn for the nasi lemak, mm. for example. So mm-hmm. could you let us in a little bit on your R and D and the flavor innovation process? How you make it taste so much like nasi lemak? So now uh, today we have about uh, four R and D chefs. Uh, helping us uh, innovate. So all they, are, all they do is make popcorn, which is quite fun. <laughs> so uh, first is uh, artificial flavoring. I think the, the industry, uh, you know, nowadays with, because of technology, the artificial, some of them is quite controversial. It tastes nicer than the original. So mm-hmm. this is actually quite, uh, yeah, like I said, very controversial. And, and we actually play that to our advantage because since, you know, we, we have the popcorn, which is the base. Why don't we just apply it, apply the artificial flavors on the popcorn? So that actually gives us it's it's gives it its very unique and, and distinct taste. We always want to launch one sweet and one savory at the same time. We want to mm. balance. So if you notice our current SKUs, it's three sweet and three savory. Yeah. So there's always a balance. Yeah, it's, it's quite strategic. So uh, there there's some that number one is three three. So you are either a sweet person or a savory person. This is very uh, uh targeted marketing lah. Then the number two is your age group. We realized that uh, like the more adventurous younger ones will tend to try the crazier flavors like nasi lemak mm. and chili crab. The unadventurous or let's say the foreigners like let's say Angmore, he you know the, the sound of chili crab popcorn is quite scary. So he will tr- he will go the play safe route by ordering mm-hmm. like salted caramel or chocolate. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a very safe one. Then the 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 what I call the the older Singaporeans will, will order the like kaya a bit more adventurous and those who can relate to the the taste they will order like mm. kaya yeah so everything has been is we've been quite strategic in terms of the flavors we launch uh. so we, we do factor all this uh, take all this into account as well yeah 
Okay, so uh, you mentioned that, you know, artificial flavorings are so controversial. So have you ever faced mm. any pushback, you know, or challenges in terms of using artificial flavorings? Has anybody come up to you and surface health concerns or anything like that? How have you dealt with these? Uh, actually, there's no not much health concerns. We're actually on the more healthier side. I think once mm. again, because of technology, thanks to it, uh, we were actually less sweet than our competitors out there. We are non-GMO. Uh, we, we use only quality ingredients. Our kernels are all the way from South Africa. And, mm. and yeah, we actually uh, uh, were non-GM and no trans fat as well. So I, I think it's more of how you look at, at things. Uh. I th for me, I think it's a very more advantageous uh, than, than disadvantage. So I, I, I came up with three reasons as to people, yeah, they, they always ask like, like why, why do you do use artificial? So first is uh, what I call the portability, meaning mm. you can, like you, you can't tap out a chili crab dish from Singapore to Malaysia, for example, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but you can actually do it through the medium of popcorn. So mm -hmm. that's the first one. Like you can, I can actually sell Singaporean dishes, the taste of Singapore dishes all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, number two is, I would say, is flavor discovery. So, case in point, one of our upcoming flavors is pulu hitam, which is your uh, glutinous uh, black mm -hmm. rice. So I, I realized as I was doing the focus group surveys, a lot of the youngster, the, the, the younger generation, they have no idea what pulu hitam is. So mm -hmm. my second point is really flavor and dish discovery. Like so, you know, they, they like the taste, but they just don't know what it is. So because of us right now, they, they can get to taste pulu hitam and know mm -hmm. how it tastes like. Mm -hmm. So discovery is the second point. The third one would be, it's just uh, innovation. Like I feel that every uh, company, you really need to constantly innovate. Like flavors are after all, people will get bored. For us, we actually use different flavors to keep going. We use data, we're very data driven. Like those not selling well, eventually, we, we know it will eventually uh, 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 slow down. So we, we can replace them with new flavors. So I would say it's actually what keeps me and the business going. What are some of your main go-to marketing channels and strategies for your products, you know, in Singapore and any other markets that you are in? All right. So, uh, the Kettle Gourmet has always been a digital-first company. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we we never had a retail uh, store. We didn't rent a, 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 a physical shop. But we actually go through uh, distributors, like, you know, uh, like to enter supermarkets, like your fair price finance in Singapore. Mm -hmm. and, and we are mainly online and also B2B. So we service a lot of corporate pennies on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Uh, the likes of Google Office, Facebook Office, they're all our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of this strategy, it really helped us, especially during uh, last year's the COVID pandemic, right? We actually, yeah. uh, we actually uh, boosted our sales for about 200 and almost 250% in, in revenue during the mm -hmm. COVID last year. Mm. So it was, it was quite a, a, uh, a breakthrough for our company because we gained a lot of market share. Another part of our strategy is we also work closely with food delivery platforms. Like we're on GrabFood, FoodPanda, mm -hmm. we're on AirAsia, and also mm -hmm. we have a lot, a lot of e-commerce platforms as well. Okay, so what about consumer trends? What sort of consumer trends are you seeing for the popcorn market in Singapore and any other markets you are selling to at the moment? Uh, has everybody staying at home due to COVID-19 lead to changes in the business for the Kettle Gourmet? I know you mentioned a 250% sort of increase earlier. So uh, con consumer trends are always changing, right? I think for mm -hmm. snacks industry in general, uh, not so much of snacks change, but how we snack has changed over the mm. years. So first thing is, uh, we a lot of uh, consumers they they demand uh, customization. They mm. they want uh, you know something special that an, or an experience that they can relate to. 
So mm-hmm. for us, we don't just, I don't, I don't look at, I never tell people that we sell popcorn, but more of like we sell like the memories, like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, I always picture, uh, you know, a family trying out all our flavors, then they'll be like, oh, oh yeah, it tastes like nasi lemak, you know, that kind. So, <laughs> so that is the, the, the memory that I want to create. Like, that's the, the our mm-hmm. ethos that I'm, I'm communicating to, to the world. Mm-hmm. So the other one will be uh, the gifting market. Like we are, we are unknown knowingly enter because of this customization we unknowingly enter the gifting market a lot of people i realized they actually buy us to to give to their friends or, or they want mm-hmm. to spread spread this joy of snacking and, and you know to show people hey it's actually there are actually fun snacks out there in the market so even for southeast asia the trends we, we tend to switch uh, the flavors to the market. So let's say if it's a uh, uh, Thailand, for example, we, we we are considering like mango salad flavor, or wow, even like okay. tom yum flavor. Yeah, we we have to. If if not, uh, it's it's just uh, it will people will eventually get bored. Okay, we've talked a fair bit now about the firm and the industry as a whole, but now I would like to turn the attention to your own entrepreneurship journey. So, Zach, you're a very special guest for this podcast as you are actually the first one ever for us who has launched directly into entrepreneurship with the Ketra Gourmet upon entering the working world right out of school. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you are. So, like, could you tell me more about that experience? What was it like? Was it scary at the time? It's, it's actually quite funny. Like I said, it's an accidental startup that, that, mm-hmm. that took off. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one, you think about it, no one would ever be, dream of becoming a popcorn seller. So, so I always knew that I wanted to do business, but I never knew what I, what what was it. Lah. So, mm-hmm. uh, the my secret really is to just just do like like just start, and then mm-hmm. the market will tell you where to go. For mm-hmm. us, because uh, of uh, our first corporate pantry, it's called Trip Advisor. You know, back then they they were ah, yes. uh, the Google Office was the in thing, the cool cool stuff to have in the yep, office. Yep, yep. So mm-hmm. it was because of them that actually. Uh, uh, ordered for one whole year worth of subscription and paid up front that gave me the the motivation to carry on as well mm-hmm. that's why it's it's really about listening to your customers and and they will eventually guide you uh, along the way so of course along the way we had flavors who didn't take off so we, we kicked that out so everything is all about just uh being reactive to the market as well what was the main challenge that you faced when you know trying to lead your own business right out of school i can't imagine it must have been an easy task yeah uh so i'm I would say the main challenge is also always the people, right? You need to find uh, partners that complement your skill set. You need to have reliable suppliers. Even internally, you need to have a strong team who can can really support you Mm. well. And for me, I I never had any F&B background experience. So Mm. at the start, everything was just a lot of common sense. Like we, mm. we had no POS system, so I used Microsoft Excel. We we mm. had no database, so we slowly just started one from, from Google Sheets. So mm. a lot of it is just trying out and, and doing. And of course, one of the, the things I learned is you just need to ask. Like you never know, people will always help you. Mm. In fact, people are more than willing to help you. They they, they feel wanted when, when you ask them for advice. <laughs> yeah. So so people out there they are they are they're just willing to help. So I've been quite lucky as well. Yeah. All right. So, in uh, okay, al- along those lines, I have to ask, of course, you know, what do you think is the greatest factor behind your having made it a success despite not having the prior experience? What does every entrepreneur need to take note of? You mentioned uh, er- earlier something about just do. So, if you mm. can elaborate a little bit more on that for me. So that is execution, but I would still say the the biggest thing is network. Like mm. it's not what you know; it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, the first step. After you know people, then you you need to have the grit and hustle to execute. So mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of both, lah. But I think what who you know is definitely more important. Uh, because it will he will he or she will shorten your learning curve 
Mm-hmm. And and especially those who've been there, done that, they can you can avoid their mistakes. Mm-hmm. How did you get out there and you know meet the right people essentially? Right. So the thing about ha- having a product business is it's a product. Like everyone, everyone will can see it and feel it and touch it and taste it in this in mm-hmm. this uh, case lah. So like when I first started, I went for a lot of events. So naturally, I'll bring a lot of popcorn. Lah. I'll just give mm-hmm. out. And then I'll be. Then they they're like, uh, it's a become it became an icebreaker. So in the room, I was very popular. Like like in any <laughs> and people, I I you know people are like oh this this product oh done by that guy. Then they will all, mm. all come up to me, and then uh they will exchange name cards. So from there they will just say hey I got this uh, lead I can I can hook you up. You and then I'll be like yeah sure. Then I'll follow up myself. Yeah. Uh. So I think mm. uh, that's the advantage of being in a product business versus service uh. I totally can imagine you being the most popular guy in your room because you're giving out popcorn. Yeah. Everybody trying this unique yes. popcorn sounds so right. cool. And everyone understands what is popcorn, and they it's very sellable. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. So yes, good way to get out there, and I guess networking in terms of going to lots of events, putting yourself out there. That sounds very important from what I'm hearing yeah. from you. Okay, so is there anything you wish you had known when you were starting out in the beginning, and anything you might have changed if you had known this? In the beginning, I wish I had networked more. Actually, like it would be much mm. faster. Like, like all it takes is one person to change your life. So just mm. it's a numbers game, ah. So just go and meet everyone out there. I, mm. I was actually I actually found all my name cards in the name card album. So mm. I actually hit my ninth album really. So it's like almost four thousand five hundred people. Each one is five hundred cards. So, mm. so over oh like gosh. three and a half years, yeah. So that that kind of level of 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 networking lah. So I will look at it as I use popcorn as an excuse to meet more people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Good way to meet more people, definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you have any advice for those out there who are trying to move into entrepreneurship? You know, just, start their own just business. Do just do just it. Do it. <laughs> just do it. Just just whack. Just whack. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> nice you, you only need to be right once, and then the rest is history. So just wait. You've got nothing to lose. Where do you see yourself and the Castle Gourmet in the next twelve months and five years down the line? Okay, so I actually plan to sell this uh company in three to five years. Mm. Yeah, we've had offers along the way already, but I told them, uh, give me some time. I'm not ready. I want to just scale this to as far as I can go, and mm-hmm. then um I I wish to sell. Uh, why why sell? Because I feel that every entrepreneur has like a so-called shelf life, meaning mm-hmm. it will be X, only uh, after X amount of years, then you will be bought. Not that I'm bought now, I'm actually having a lot of fun right now. It's mm-hmm. more of uh, I need to move on to the next phase. Lah. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not that it's pressing or urgent, but I've the fun will stop one day. I think I'm being very practical. Mm, what about in terms of well, while the company is still with you, like you know, what about in terms of a new product development, new flavor development? Uh, and I recall you told me something previously also about you know wanting to venture into other types of snacks as well. Could you tell me more oh, about? Yes. Correct. So um, working backwards from five years when I sell, uh, I plan to have at least two more brands because I think uh, the. I, the more the playbook is more or less done already, so I can just repeat the same thing with mm-hmm. different snacks. So uh, I would say the secret for for an FMCG fast moving consumer goods business is really the channels, the distribution channels, not mm-hmm. so much the recipe. It's more of the I don't all your your sales. Let's say if I get into two hundred channels, I can always launch a new product to to push into my two hundred channels. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's a volume game. So it'll be much easier and faster for my next brand. So now I'm just working hard to. To you know, finish up my first brand first, and then uh, two more brands, and then I think can sell. 
Thank you so much for joining me today, Zach. It was really great to catch up with you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. And thank you also to everyone for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Curly signing out. <laughs>